Thanks for tuning in to Sunday Recap, a special edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast where we talk about life and faith based off of our sermon this past Sunday. Uh, I'm Joey Cologne, assistant pastor here at Grace Bible Church. I'm Chris Webster, the assistant pastor of worship and communication. I'm Dave McMurray, the preaching pastor at Grace Bible Church. Dave's going to be something different every single week when he says that. Mm. I guess I could do that too, probably. I like variation. Well, Dave, this week you finished up our, oh man, what did we call it? Just a four-part sermon about, I don't know. Community life. Community life. Life and community. Life and community. Life and community, one of them. Um, So finish that up this week. Next week we'll start Joseph. Can you give us a summary of this week? Mostly based in Proverbs 3, correct? Maybe a little quick summary? That's right. Yeah, quick summary. The the main idea, the sermon title was Kids Need Grace. And the idea was that they need the grace of confidence. We need to pass on to them. They need the grace of discipline, something that we need to pass on to kids. And then finally, the grace of purpose. And those were the three main ideas. I pulled all those from Proverbs 3. Um, but then I made a bunch of references to other parts of Proverbs as well. So it was kind of jumping all over the place. So kids need grace is overarching. Grace of confidence, grace of discipline. Yep. And what was the last one? The last one was purpose. Grace of Not porpoise, purpose, but purpose. Well, there's lots of porpoises in the world. Yes, yes. You're welcome, Compton. <laughs> um, wow. Okay, uh, would you tell us some about grace of confidence? What text did you base that off of scripturally? Where'd you get that from? And and how do we give that grace to our kids? Yeah, so I started with um, a really classic couple of verses that a lot of people know really well. It's a lot of people have memorized as, as new believers. It's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so my main idea was that as we trust in God, we have a growing confidence ourselves. And I made some reference to the previous week. The previous week, there was this picture of walking a straight path according to the gospel. And we talked from Galatians in that previous week about how God uh, begins to internalize the law. The new covenant's written on our hearts. We begin to kind of know the right thing to do and follow God in a healthy way as we trust him and grow in our faith. And so I tried to connect those dots a little bit. Um, Later on in Proverbs 3, it says that as we trust God and as we walk in wisdom, we will walk on our way securely. In verse 23, it says your foot will not stumble. Also in verse 23, it says if you lie down, you will not be afraid. Um, then in verse 26, it says, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. So I was trying to follow that analogy of confidence, but also being able to walk securely. was kind of the, the main images. I guess confidence was the the concept and the walking securely was the kind of visual image of that. Yeah, for sure. And how how do we give that grace to our kids, I guess, is the mm. second question. So yeah, yeah. I get where it comes from the text, for sure. Mm-hmm. How do we impart that as parents to children, to our children? I think my biggest, my biggest emphasis, I hope in both sermons, we've joked about how I, I tend to vary it somewhat from 9 to 1045, but... I think my biggest emphasis in both sermons was that we need to be people of confidence and that kids will pick that up. As we trust in the Lord ourselves, then we have something to pass on to our kids. Um, And so I talked about um, the way we run our house being a house that's God-centered and gospel-centered and centered on God's word. So practically, 
starts with us trusting God and being people of confidence. And then secondarily, we, we pass it on. We teach our kids God's word. We read the Bible to them. We communicate the gospel. I mean, I talked about an, a really important thing in my concept of parenting is separating house law from God's law. And the idea is that we do things as followers of Christ and we set up our household in a certain way. We build rules, we build structure, we build routines, and those things are all fine and good, but we need to constantly be kind of uh, clarifying for our kids the difference between this is how we do it in our house and you know God's law, which is there's no variation. This is how it has to be done. You know, do not murder. That's gonna got that's got to be true in every household. Versus make your bed or go to bed at eight or you know brush your teeth this way. Those are house laws that have to be separated for our kids for them to really understand the weight of God's law. I think. Hmm. That's really good. I, I keep thinking for the uh, for the young parent or the new believer who doesn't have <laughs> that confidence they want, and mm-hmm. you know, I wanted to ask what advice you have for them. I guess my my first thought for sure was just um, beware of all or nothingism. Probably, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. of thinking, uh, yeah, I've got to have my act together. I've got to have a hundred percent confidence all the time. Um, I've got to have a perfect plan in place versus like the next right thing or something Mm -hmm. like that so i don't know yeah do you have anything you would say to those who are like man i want confidence to give to my kids but um i don't have it (laughs) Mm. well i mean i think that's a i think that's a spiritual problem and a practical problem Mm -hmm. right so yeah spiritually at a spiritual level we need to just push into our own faith you know trusting that God loves us, that God has forgiven us, and that he's given us a purpose, not to eat up my third point too much, but <laughs> God has personally given us a purpose. Uh, some of the language I used in the second section was that he's deputized us. So, I mean, God has called us, he's commissioned us, so go, you know, do what he's told you to do. There are basics you know to do, and we've got to do those things and do them well. Um, so that, I guess that doesn't sound very spiritual, but just do it is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, pull so, yourself up by your bootstraps. Exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, for me, yeah. I, I grew up without a family structure. And so the way I did it was I prayed. I said, God, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. Right? That was step one, humility. And then step two, I asked for advice. I got advice from people. Um, step three, I read some Christian books on Christian parenting. Um, kind of collated that stuff. Me and my wife came up with a plan. This is where it gets to the house law thing. We're like, all right, we're going to do this. We, we talked about it. Uh, we don't want to discipline our kids out of emotion. We want to discipline our kids calmly. And, um, you know, we started thinking through specifics, things that I think what's really helpful for families is to talk through the way you were raised and other things you've seen in other families and just analyze it. Things you've seen that have been really good. Mm, let's steal that. That was really good. We saw that in that family and we really liked it. Let's imitate that. And then things you've seen that you don't like. I don't like that. Why not? Talking that through with your spouse or with a good Christian friend is really helpful as a kind of um, foundation. And then make a plan and go. Um, And that's my distinction between house law and God's law, I think, is important to assume you're actually going to make a law for your house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I don't don't think I can tell individuals how to do that, but... um, well, I think, yeah, that's interesting because what, what occurs to me mm-hmm. 
is there's two there's two layers of confidence that we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. There's a personal confidence and faith in Christ and in His Word, mm-hmm. and then there's parenting confidence, <laughs> and I guess mm-hmm. so. I, so maybe that one that's the one I'm I'm more uh, aware of for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I grew up in the church, but even still, as an adult, like learning those practices of how do I translate my own personal faith um, mm-hmm. to my kids and. Mm-hmm. And surely that's like you were saying, it takes having a plan and it takes practice. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's, yeah, that, that's, what's interesting to me is just being aware of that. So for whoever's listening, thinking like, just because you don't have confidence in this parenting situation doesn't necessarily mean lack of faith. It could, you know, it could mean that, um, and we all need that faith to just dive in and try, (laughs) but, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's really good. I think there's the assumption because I'm preaching and I'm done raising my kids that I boldly always knew what to do. I never knew what I was doing. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, and I just did the best I could and trusted that God would work it out. So I mean, yeah, I had models I was imitating. I had we had things we saw in books and things we saw in other people's families that we imitated and we tried. Yeah, and I just well, you, trusted the Lord would use it. Some about mm-hmm. you not really having that growing up, but mm-hmm. you got that other places. What yeah. did that look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, that was – so this week was a big week for me. Preaching on parenting was an interesting thing. In the last month, um, we took my youngest daughter to college. To college, did I say two? Took my youngest daughter to college. Um, my youngest daughter turned 18. My second child turned 21. My oldest daughter got pregnant. I'm going to be grandpa. Um, on top of all that, this week, uh, my mentor, the, the pastor of the church I grew up in, died. And so I was just really reflecting on spiritual fathering that I received from that church growing up. So it's just a great heritage there, not just from him. I worked for him, and he was my preacher for years, and so he had a huge spiritual influence on me. But also he built a church. He built a network of godly men and women that influenced me. So there were a lot of Sunday school teachers and deacons and elders and uh, youth workers and all that, that that influenced me coming from a broken home, kind of had a mom that was somewhat incapacitated, I would say, um, emotionally and spiritually. Um, And her big, kind of her big heroic effort was to get us into a healthy church. And so I'm very thankful to her for that. She struggled a lot in life, but but got us to a healthy church. And my dad was not around. And so I was able to see different models of Christian parenting and Christian confidence. And that was really helpful. That was huge for me. So... You talked then about authority, mm-hmm. you know, of the parent. You talked a little bit about it already, mm-hmm. the deputization of mm-hmm. the parent. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for non-parents in the church context? Oh, that's good. Um, so, you know, you're saying that mm-hmm. those people are the ones who instilled that in you, blah, blah, blah. Did yeah, they yeah. have the authority to do that? Were they deputized to do that? No, that's really good. I think we're all deputized to have influence. And so it's probably good to separate the difference between authority and influence. We talked a little bit about spanking because Proverbs gets into that. And I think it's it's wise that a lot of public institutions now have outlawed that. A lot of states don't allow spanking in schools and stuff like that. I think that's probably smart. I think it makes sense that only the parent that knows and loves a child would ever do that because it's, it's kind of like playing with fire. Um, physical punishment is a, is a dangerous thing you have to be very careful with. Um, so for the record, no Sunday school teacher ever spanked me. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea. So in that kind of authoritative, uh, the Proverbs word is use of the rod and discipline. I don't think that's a good idea, but 
um, people spending time exhorting, reproving, instructing from God's word. I think that is the power that the church has that Sunday school teachers and elders and preachers can pass on. That's the the great influence that we have is, is sharing God's word and giving direction and guidance uh, to the next generation. And I received a lot of that from a lot of people. And I think the life shared together, what's the first Thessalonians passage? We didn't, we not only shared the gospel, but we shared our very lives. I know I'm not getting the exact words right there, but but the concept is that there's the sharing of life and example and seeing how you live, which is really helpful as well. Um, so I got to observe and see a lot of different things. It's interesting. This is a rabbit trail, but when my first child started to graduate from high school, and I think I even felt this when the second one was graduating, I started to feel this really heavy weight of failure as a dad. Um, the elders, we all went on a retreat where we kind of shared our life story and just kind of talked through what we were, what God was growing us in at the time. And I remember sharing that with, with the guys. And just through that sharing and praying through that, I was able to recognize that one of the reasons I felt a lot of failure as a dad was because I had built this Frankenstein of the ideal father in my mind from all the like 10 top Christian dads I'd seen. Sure. And I'd like taken their best attributes and built that out in my head. It's like, this is what I'm going to be. But of course, I'm an actual flesh and blood human being, not an ideal amalgamation of 10 great dads. Um, and so just sorting that through was was kind of a weird process for me and just recognizing, okay, I, yeah, I didn't get to be that perfect dad. But I was still really blessed by all those different godly people that had influenced me. Yeah, I think I've... I was wrestling through to that, how do you hear this sermon as a young single person or something? And um, I guess where I've observed it in the good sense is being willing to be in small groups with those crazy families, mm -hmm, <laughs> with, mm -hmm. whatever, with kids or multiple kids. And yeah. and and uh, it is a uh, disorient <laughs> can be a disorienting experience for them, I'm sure. You know, it's it's just not... For one thing, parents don't have as much time to hang out, and really, it's it's a harder it's a harder road to be friends with a busy parent, you know. Um, but just man, the grace that is to us when a when a young single person will will take that time to stay in that relationship, to to love on our kids, to get to know us as a family, and not just think, oh, they can only talk to me as an adult. Um, that's a beautiful thing, and uh, it makes me think of. Uh, one example is, so we send, uh, <laughs> you got to be careful with the Middle East conversation, you can help me with that, but <laughs> we send a team over to help put on a camp in a, you know, in a mysterious, a, place. mysterious <laughs> Middle East, uh, <laughs> but for, for it's kind of a missionary conference, basically, they come together and um, our, our team from, from our church will actually watch their kids and put on a program for their kids. And just over and over and over again, hearing the parents, the missionaries <laughs> say how much of an impact that had and how much their their children actually listened more closely to what our team members were telling them. And a lot of them are young. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, mixture of young single adults or just. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. Um and just yeah, just never underestimate as a as a young single person how your voice is actually heard by the children, and mm -hmm. you know that's a warning and a encouragement yeah. too. So anyway, no, that's huge. I uh, I was the youth pastor to my pastor's son, 
And he told me, pastor tells me after coming back from a youth retreat, and he was laughing about it, but he was like, just talking about how, you know, his son had said something I said to him, like it was the most amazing thing he'd ever heard. And he's like, I've told you that a hundred times. <laughs> and he, he was annoyed, but he, he also was able to appreciate it. Yeah, because I think that's a natural, a natural thing. So I think there's a balance between it is my responsibility as a parent to lead my kids. And we have to own that. And I think we, a lot of us are fighting against that being given up. You know, too many parents give up. They just think it's the Sunday school teacher's job or the school mm. teacher's job to raise their kids. And it's not, it's your job, mm. but we're also sharing that burden with other people. And it's really nice to have good influences, youth workers and Sunday school teachers. And um, so, yeah, I think, I think it's all the above. You need it all for, for me when I was a young single person leading youth or a young married person without kids leading, leading younger people, a lot of times those families would have me in their house as well. So I would, I would be, watching them with their kids while I'm being a good role model to their mm-hmm. kid. You know, it's all kind of happening simultaneously. And that was what I experienced at, at Temple Bible Church where I grew up. So in high school group, we, uh, we talked about, or I was asking the high schoolers, like, who were in the service, first service. This is during second service. I said, so can you summarize, you know, what the sermon was about? They said, uh, wasn't it about spanking? So, so that's <laughs> how it came about. across those high schoolers. Yep. But the discipline section was more than just that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it briefly, but also uh, a scepter, and then also what else? Uh, the shepherd's staff. So the rod in Hebrew can mean these three things. It can really, I mean, it just it's stick, right? So it can mean a lot of different things. But basically, most commonly, it would mean a king's scepter, a symbol of authority. And it would mean a shepherd's staff, which would be a guiding staff. You know, you've seen a shepherd's staff with a hook on it. You know, they might direct a sheep, pull them, push them, guide them, prod them along. So I was trying to explain that that rod is is broader than just spanking. I, I think Proverbs makes the case, the Bible as a whole makes the case that corporal punishment is a good and judicious thing. Uh, as long as it's done well, wisely, graciously, kindly, it's not. Uh, no advocation for just like offhand violence or, you know, lashing out in anger. Um, but I think when it's self-controlled and careful, uh, it's a good idea. So I was trying to kind of make the case for that. That is a good idea. But also, this is not the only thing, <laughs> to the kid's point. It's not what it's all about. It's not just spanking. It's also about authority. It's also about direction. And then when you read Proverbs as a whole, just repeated again and again, it's words of instruction. It's reproof, encouragement, direction. Um, well, yeah. your big phrase was discipline and delight, right? Yeah. How did that work together? Yeah, so one of my favorite passages that combines that is Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. It says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father the son in whom he delights. And so that was really important for me to, for people to understand that in a biblical worldview, we have to hold together those two ideas. We don't separate them out. Discipline goes with delight. We delight in our kids. And some of us, I think, by temperament, want to be their best friends. Some of us, you know, just want to give structure and hold the line and give authority. And I think as parents, we have to, like, broadcast both of those concepts regularly. Um, it's a lot easier for me to be buddies with my kids, but I had to work hard to, to have order and structure. And I did that. Um, and I think probably depending on people's temperament. They might be more consistent on one or the other, but I think we have to do both simultaneously. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go into awkward land, maybe, but Let's maybe helpful land. Uh, so, so did you have like a pattern or, yeah, I guess a, a script of any kind that you had? So, like role play for a second, like uh, your kid has done a spankable offense in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. What, what, how does that play out? Because I think you know, is there sort of these pieces that you're making sure happen? And did you usually do things in a certain order? Did you Mm -hmm. sit down and have a conversation and then have, they had a SWAT and then you had another conversation. How did, how did that, Mm. does that make sense? Like what's the practical playing out of a godly way to do that? Maybe. That's really good. Um, We would give, we would always give verbal instruction first. We'd always give them a chance to recorrect on their own because what you're trying to train them to do is to do the right thing. Mm. So well, that's the big thing too. Like mm-hmm. it's you said a lot in this section. It's not punishment. Mm-hmm. It's training, right? Yeah. That was training, training, training. Mm. Yeah, really try to emphasize that. Think of being an athlete. Think of being a musician. I think those are the two areas in our culture that we still understand. It can be painful and hard, but it has a purpose. And I think we've we've really lost that. So I think a lot of our culture's rejection of spanking is because it's seen as punishment or like mm. a justice system or something it's like no you're you're directing them you're training them right so the the big analogy i use is i'd rather my my kid have a little sting on his bottom than get run over by a truck right i'm trying to train him to not get run over by a truck that's the point it's not like it's not like some sort of like cosmic scales of justice being balanced there mm-hmm. um so it is training and then when something would actually happen we'd we'd give him a verbal redirection and often they would do what we told them to do, you know, and mm-hmm. you're like, good job. And then you try to affirm them and encourage them and thank them and praise them. Mm-hmm. Um, when they wouldn't listen to your voice and they wouldn't obey, then we would give them a spanking. And uh, let's say this was in the, the like four to nine year old range. Honestly, I'm, it's been long enough now. I'm starting to forget. But I think that was about <laughs> it. You know, um, There was a lot more redirection when they were little. And you, it was, you know, the younger they were and the harder it was to have a conversation, there was less less spanking mm-hmm. um but more spanking in those like four five six seven eight year old years i think um and so we would say okay you didn't listen you're gonna get a spanking we explained it to him we'd be calm if one of us was angry we wouldn't do it we'd have the other parent do it mm-hmm. um so yeah if one of us got upset and we felt like we weren't modeling self-control and care and delight we, we would just refrain and say it's going to happen later uh, but generally, we were able to be self-controlled. We would um, say, this is what it's going to be. I'm going to give you two swats on your bottom because um, you can't disobey dad. you got to listen to me. It's my job to protect you. You know, There were different spiels that we would give, but generally we would remind them that it's our job to protect them. We're doing it because we love them. We're doing it because if we allowed them to keep doing this or disobeying, they could get hurt. God had put us in charge to make sure they're safe and number one way for that to happen is for them to learn to obey us and follow our directions. So a lot of it was wrapped around listening and following our directions so that we could keep them safe. Uh, we'd give them a SWAT and we, you know, we'd explain that we can't change their heart and that we would pray for them and then we'd pray for them. Um, and there was an important distinction in our minds, and I think we got this from Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. Um, but it was important for us to distinguish between the heart and just training their behavior. So we were going to train their behavior, and we'd say that, like, we're going to keep you from getting in the habit of doing bad things, but only God can change your heart. We're praying for you. We want you to want to do the right thing. 
And so trying to kind of distinguish those in their minds, and obviously that makes more sense to older kids than it does to younger kids, but we would try to have some variation of that conversation with them every time. Mm. That's good. Is that that's helpful. Yeah, oh, exactly. That's a, <laughs> I was trying to yeah. cover like years and years of different conversations <laughs> there at once. Yeah. The other thought I had was it, it is fascinating how this this concept of discipline in general um, affects it, it or comes from our view of God as mm-hmm. Father and our what do we expect from God? How do we expect God to treat us? What do we think good fathering is? Good parenting is. Mm-hmm. Um, it just I thought I thought of um, it was interesting someone mentioned to me in the Psalms you know there's famous Psalms that talk about God as a shepherd and it says thy rod and staff comfort me Mm. and uh, I think what we've lost as a uh, as a culture largely that doesn't know about shepherding someone was telling me this again I don't know about shepherding they told me that you know a shepherd is often not gentle with the rod and staff like Mm -hmm. it is not a uh, it is not a metaphorical conversation with the sheep sometimes Mm -hmm. there is there's real pain involved Mm -hmm. to help keep the sheep from jumping off a cliff or something Mm -hmm. ultimate you Mm -hmm. know getting eaten by by wolves or something and so i just think that that's interesting that even in those psalms there's kind of this this thing that would have been shocking at the time of saying god uses his rod on us as a um as a good shepherd, but but not in a reveling in pain sort of a way, but but expecting mm-hmm. that oh God is going to sometimes allow me to have pain to learn in the same way that mm-hmm. that we look at that if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. again, not with a glee in a gleeful way. Sure. But like, and I think this whole conversation is so confusing because we yeah. are about as far as you can be on the other end of the spectrum culturally. You know, I mean, we're about as um, soft and pain avoidant a culture as has ever existed, I would mm. argue. Mm. I mean, maybe there are others mm-hmm. more than us, but mm. it seems like we're pretty far on that end. So it just even like even for someone like me who believes in it, who's who's been through the painful training of of studying music, who's been through the painful training of of uh, playing a sport, and mm-hmm. who's parented children, I still there's still something in me that just seems like couldn't there be a way to yeah. live without any discomfort or pain? Like, it just seems like that'd be really nice. Yes, please. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yes, yeah. I would love that. <laughs> when our view of God has turned into sloppy, wet kiss, good, good mm-hmm. father God, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which, there's Both. validity, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, if that's all we see, then we all don't comfort see. comfort and no discomfort. We can't, yeah. I often think of the, the warrior God that bends mm-hmm. down to hug his kids, like, yeah, we have a hard time holding <laughs> those two things in in, mm-hmm. in good tension. But yeah, hmm. so we have giving the kids the grace of confidence, the grace of discipline, and finally the grace of purpose, <laughs> purpose, 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 purpose. So my overriding image for this was the dragon fighting ninja baby. That you can mm. find online. Sorry, the what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I googled it. You googled yep. it. It's real. Some guy that's like a graphic artist, like somehow digitized his baby doing kung fu. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Dragon fighting ninja baby. That's what you said. Yeah, okay. dragon fighting. I heard dragon ninja fly, baby. and I was really. Confused. I don't know what he's actually called online. He has some online name. I don't know. Okay. I think it's dragon baby. Is what it's called. But I don't yeah, know. I think so. Anyway, um, cute little baby. 
in his uh, footy pajamas doing kung fu moves and beating up a little something in a dragon costume. <laughs> it's just bizarre. But anyway, we we don't the whole idea of the picture was we don't think of our kids as having any purpose other than being cute, you know, like that's their job is to be cute and adorable. And then as they get older, we start worrying about, oh yeah, we want them to make us proud, right? Do something that we can brag about. That's a secondary purpose. And then a third purpose might be, we want them to be rich because the only way to be happy is to be rich in our country. So Mm -hmm. we kind of have these weird ideas of purpose that I don't think are in line with the Bible. So I was trying to make a case for returning to the, the purpose of our vocation as human beings made in the image of God, the kind of rule and reign purpose of Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Um, in Proverbs 3, it talks about particularly being generous and helping other people. So that was really the focus of Proverbs 3. Um, Proverbs, what is it, 24 also talks about, man, if you can help someone, if like you could rescue someone and you didn't, God's going to know. <laughs> and so it's this concept that we... We live in a broken world where people need help. People need our generosity. People need our rescue. People need our intervention. And we should raise our kids to be those kinds of people, to live out that purpose as human beings. Hmm. And that's that's in Proverbs 3, too, actually, towards the end of it. What is mm-hmm. it? Um, 3, 27 and 28. Yeah, there you go. 28 do says... Do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when yep. it's your power to do it. Do yep. not say to your neighbor, go and come again tomorrow. I'll give it when you have it with you. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. It's like, man, don't hold back. If you can, if you can have influence, if you can help others, then do it. That's what we're made for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just trying to give people the vision of of casting that to our kids. Like, you have a bigger purpose. It's goes beyond just making money or just being happy. It's not just a consumeristic purpose. Mm. It made me think of a uh, gosh conference years ago. I heard someone say, "The definition of boredom is time." unhinged from purpose Mm. um it's basically time without (laughs) without purpose so i've annoyed my children philosophizing about that of like Mm. the reason you're bored right now is you've forgotten why you're alive you're you're here yes for Mm. my poor children but it has it is kind of an interesting conversation hopefully for them or it was a good thing for me to not feel like the purpose of me as a parent is to make them happy all the time or make sure they're entertained all the time, but truly to, to remember the purpose of life loving God mm-hmm. and loving others. And, and so, yeah, and if they're bored in that moment, maybe it's a mm-hmm. good moment for some training on loving God or loving others and getting mm-hmm. over yourself a little bit. Um, so yeah, just made me think of that. I also, I think at this point I used the image of zombies. Our world has been over the last 10 years. It's probably fading now, but there was a trend, you know, of zombie stuff in literature and books and TV and movies. And I think just reminding people, yeah, you're raising children in a world of zombie apocalypse. Like, the world is falling apart. It is crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's part of your purpose for raising kids is to make it better. Mm-hmm. That That's part of why you have children. Mm-hmm. You don't just have kids for cute pictures you can put on Facebook. And I, I just think we... We misunderstand that. Mm, I add kids so I have great social media content. <laughs> that is my main You're reason. You're just like everybody else, Chris. <laughs> uh, so what 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 do you all think people think the purpose of having children is? Like, you know what I mean? What would you say well, is the average person's? Well, first of all, before that, I think it's interesting. I just mm-hmm. heard on a podcast, too, that we're part of a collection of generations for the first time ever 
that had the even possibility of this, but that their life was not to have children. Like that was not the main purpose of their life mm, mm-hmm. because people had to have children or they were, yeah. you know, like staying to alive and keeping your village alive, whatever it was. So anyway, that I thought that was interesting. But then, yeah, what, what, what do people think the purpose of having kids is? Self-fulfillment of some kind, probably. I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Sure. I think a lot, a lot of people would be self-fulfillment. Hmm. It's kind of like climbing Machu Picchu or something. I don't know. Is it like <laughs> it's like more social media content? More social media. <laughs> oh man! To say I did this. Look at me. That is a great question. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people think it will fulfill them. Yeah, it will give them purpose. Mm-hmm. Um. Almost just, it's the thing to do. There's a vestige of, right. of tradition, probably, yeah. It's just our biological instinct. We just do it. I think there's a lot of people who are anti. There's a big anti-kids movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. I, I think that we're probably entering a point where people are realizing I don't have to do this. And mm-hmm. the social pressures of my parents encouraging me to do it isn't strong enough to mm-hmm. cause me to want it. So what... What say you to them? Well, I just read an article that population implosion is one of the most looming problems facing the future of the world. I think it was, who's the electric car guy? What's his name? Tesla. Tesla. Mm. That guy? Well, That's his name not, his not name? Tesla. <laughs> name's not Tesla. Elon Musk is Elon his Elon name. Musk, yeah. yeah. Named his company after a dude named Tesla. Um, <laughs> him and some other futurist guy they both were talking about that that yeah the future is facing a terrible implosion of not enough population i don't know what the word is for wasn't that. yang isn't he like best yeah. friends with yang right now i think that's right wow. is that who it was? it's a guy that it's a chinese billionaire that runs he's running for president tech. andrew yang yeah okay hmm. i think so maybe not i don't know maybe somebody else yeah. Current events on our podcast if you keep going. Dun, yeah, dun, man. Dun, I should actually delete it all. I should have printed it. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, we're not having kids anymore uh, in multiple cultures. Mm. And part of that is like, if you're just having kids for fun, man, there's way f- more fun things to do. <laughs> Wait, time out. There's more fun things to do than raising kids. <laughs> having kids is hard. Let me tell you. It's hard. Mm. It's very difficult, people. There was an article that. Chris, I think you read years ago that said it's not financially feasible to have oh, kids. Man. I was and I was like, thinking. of course, who thought it was? Like, what do you even... <laughs> like, like, these are my little cash cows. <laughs> yeah, like, who, make thinks, me rich. who thinks it's financially smart well, to have to kids? Well, to be fair, 50, 60 years ago, yeah. if you had boys, it was yeah, financially helpful. Exactly. And so... Yeah, and they could I, run maybe. the family business, expand it. Run the farm. Yeah. To yeah. talk, you know, to talk to the other side of not just why do people have kids why did why did i why did we have kids uh personal it's a thing that it's a thing that uh i guess i have i have a line that i say to myself often which is uh do do things you will love to have done and uh you know rather than you just do it for the experience do it for the when you have done it you'll be glad you know and Mm. i think there's a lot of there there's a lot of things that for me fall into that category you know i don't know that perhaps writing a book the process is super fun but i would love to have done that you know even sometimes reading a book is that way for for me you know some nonfiction stuff that i just slugged through but definitely that moment of like imagining the end of your life and what what will actually last and have mattered um and even that with kids is not a given but um i do think that 
there are there are just so few things that will you'll be glad you did it mm-hmm. um in on the same level as having kids and raising them or, or seeking to raise them well and lord willing they i mean if they grow up to love jesus my gosh yeah mm. infinite souls yeah it's like remembering that too you know we when we were having babies it was just this thing that struck me all the time like this is literally an infinite thing that did not exist before hmm. um will carry on forever hmm. and you just can't say there's a few things that fall into that category what about you guys what is that i mean why why did you have kids just a thing to do you're bored one day and yeah we didn't have anything else to do and <laughs> I'm going to leave now. Just Y'all have kidding. a great rest of the podcast. You've no, been listening I, to Sunday Recap. I think my wife and I had a vague sense of be fruitful and multiply like we're mm-hmm. supposed to. you know. So mm-hmm. I think it really started out of duty. Well, let me be careful. <laughs> my wife had a driving, powerful instinct to want to be a mother. So mm-hmm. I think more from an internal sense of calling and passion, she, she owned that. As a dude, I did not experienced that same internal drive uh i just had an abstract sense that it was the right thing to do as a follower of jesus and then over time i became more convinced of the i guess going back to what joey was saying the family business model like oh we're in the family business of loving jesus jesus pushing back darkness in the world um helping people and Part of God's plan for that is to have kids so there are more people mm. to love Jesus, to honor God, mm. push back evil in the world. But. Well, and it gets straight to, to me, too, to just a ministry mindset. Uh, mm. Another thing I say is that people are the currency of heaven, not, you know, not in a weird, slimy way, but like if you think, what do you take to heaven? What goes to heaven? It's not physical things. It's, it's souls. And so, mm. so that's why I'm in ministry is because I couldn't spend my life on anything better than pouring into people mm. um, and loving on them. And that's the same thing with, with parenting, right? I mean, that's that's what it's about. That's what you get to take with you is is the people who love Jesus. So. Mm-hmm. What about not biological children? Mm. Parenting. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't have to right on. make kids to have kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Paul says, I wish you were all like me, single. So Paul actually blesses singleness. That's having this great advantage. Um, and so then when I think you trace that out and follow everything Paul says about spiritual mentoring, you see can, you can kind of put that together. You can build a systematic theology through Paul's life and his exhortations that there's this huge potential to be a spiritual mother and father um, in the new covenant to have a spiritual impact on other people. Um, we've all gotten to invest in other people through youth ministry and through just life together in ministry. Um, we've all been impacted by others you know that weren't our parents spiritually and been discipled mentored encouraged so yeah i think we need to continue to honor that and hold that up um another another section i think that talks about that is isaiah 54 55 and 56 uh i always flip it around in my mind i'm not sure if it's 54 56 one talks about eunuchs and one talks about barren women but they're on either side of this beautiful passage in 55 in the middle that talks about the new covenant and the promises of grace we have in God. And then before that and after that, it talks about eunuchs will be fruitful in this new covenant or barren women will be fruitful in this new covenant. And this is promise of spiritual fruitfulness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's huge, and we have to continue to, you know, hold that up as an important and beautiful thing in mm-hmm. the church. What's the the pass about, passage about true religion, c- caring for the widow and the orphan, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. so yeah, that whole category as well. And James. Is, yeah. Yep. Falls straight into there. Give kids the grace of confidence, discipline, and purpose. Any other thoughts, ideas, things we missed, didn't cover, things you wish you could have said more of on Sunday, but you already went an hour long, so you couldn't do it again? (laughs) You know, there's so much more to say. There's always more to say. Get help. We all need help. That Mm. was the biggest thing that helped me as someone growing up with a broken family is I just, I became a student of other people. I just asked for help, sought guidance, read books hung out with people that would be my advice book recommendations book recommendations um the gospel-centered parent by rosemary miller and jack klumpenhauer great name is a great book on the heart issues of learning to be a person that trusts i ended with uh confess your sins from proverbs 28 like that's the kind of person you want to be don't think you got it all figured out continually be transparent and humble and trusting in Jesus as a parent. So that book is really helpful, The Gospel-Centered Parent. Um, Another one that's helpful on mechanics is Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. I think he gets lost in the weeds sometimes, but if you have, you know, if you're looking for the like conversation to have, like Chris was asking me earlier, that helped me. I had to simplify it. I thought it was too complex personally. I had to kind of take that book and then make it simpler. Um, James Dobson's a classic Christian psychiatrist from the 80s. He wrote Dare to Discipline and the Strong-Willed Child. Uh, People like to pick on him for being overly behavioralistic, I would say. So that's a critique that he's too kind of mechanical and too too focused on kind of what works, but it's it's still helpful material. Um, And then another one that I think is helpful is Teaching Your Kids to Mind Without Losing Yours by Kevin Lehman. He's another Christian psychologist, so he's... Again, the, the critique can be that he's not gospel-centered enough, but some really helpful mechanics that are there. Any, like, online resources that you've stumbled upon, too? People could... Nope. Nope. All right. All <laughs> right. Disney.com. Yeah, online. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. There were no online resources when I was parenting. <laughs> we had to read books when I was a young parent. Your horn-rimmed glasses are talking right now. <laughs> Oh my, yeah, sorry. No worries. No, I, yeah. I just, I, I think Tim I was just Kimmel general. was also good. Uh, Kimmel, not Tim Keller, who's a popular teacher, but Tim Kimmel. Um, I thought his stuff was helpful as well over the years. I remember seeing some of his stuff online, I think, but Tim spoke like some Timothy, comments. not mm-hmm. Jim like James. Right, T with a Tim. T with T. <laughs> Tim with a T. <laughs> T for Tim. Edit that out. <laughs> Timothy. Kimmel with a K. Yeah, I think I think sometimes just even following these authors on on mm-hmm. Facebook, I've noticed you know they'll talk about that too. Sometimes I think you could just the- post all your problems on Facebook. And Perfect. I'm sure it'll work it yeah. out. Well, along with your beautiful baby pictures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, we don't post problems, just beautiful pictures. Yeah, yeah that's right. Okay. Yeah, don't crowdsource. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I think um, read outside of your normal tribe too i think is helpful to kind of be able to look at it from different angles i i just recommended a bunch of christian authors which i think is important but they're all kind of different you know sections of christian tradition so. that's confusing to me but okay like psychologists versus counselor or yeah uh christians are tribalistic within christendom 
we oh oh different Christian tribes Got different it. Christian tribes yeah, yeah yeah we divide up into our different tribes and like I mentioned already some people some people critique Dobson and Lehman because they're psychologists and they're not gospel centered enough and, you know there's saying read Spurgeon <laughs> yeah read Spurgeon read, read all the Christian parenting books that are out there uh, but you know the five authors I mentioned I think those are all good. Okay, I think that makes more sense to me. Mm-hmm. It sounded like you were saying, yeah, just don't read Christian books. Read other people's parenting books. Yeah, but it <laughs> I seems mean, like they would to that, but, I was but it seems like emphasize. they wouldn't have the same goal in yeah. mind necessarily. Yeah, I think you could say there are Christian integrationists, these Christian psychologists, where they're trying to integrate psychology with a Christian worldview, and I think that's helpful. I think there are um, so there's stuff written from a psychology standpoint that is kind of Christian in name only that you got to be a little more concerned about that. So I have to ask you showed a picture of a baby during your sermon. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. You did. Adolf Hitler. Mm. Adolf Hitler was a cute baby. That was the whole point of that. He that was, was the cute whole baby. point. <laughs> no, the point was like, give me the thought process of I'm making my sermon now let me get a picture of Adolf Hitler. Like, where did you get to that point? So, <laughs> I was a little rattled, okay? I'd been at a funeral the day before. Um, Surely you made your sermon before the yeah. funeral the day before. The uh, Yeah, I just did like a triple intro, so I, that was a little confusing, I think, for everyone listening to the sermon. <laughs> Literally, a triple intro. I used three different introductions. Record. Uh, the uh, record, Yes. <laughs> The picture of Adolf Hitler was to communicate the idea that all children are cute and that our job as parents is to train them to be godly and to be good and not to just overlook things when they're, they're little and cute and think it's no big deal. I think a classic parenting mistake is to be a pushover when your kids are little because they're cute and it doesn't really matter and the consequences aren't that big and then to try to regain control as they get older bigger smarter stronger and it's a little it's a little late often at that point so that was that was the the main point i was trying to communicate cool well to be fair some kids do look like aliens though yes to be fair some children really are ugly (laughs) but most (laughs) most are beautiful so we we can understand (laughs) it looks like an alien just to clarify oh cool well we want to uh wrap up i guess a little bit um, just give kids the grace of confidence, of discipline, and of purpose was this week. Thank you for your time and effort. We appreciate you and your fathering of the fatherless here. We talked a lot about that mm-hmm. um, at a different time, but mm. I don't know. Lots of fatherless, whether or not they actually have a father, like you have a father, but you had some guy step in, so. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to Sunday Recap, a special edition of the Grace Bible Church podcast. Be sure to go to begrace.org slash podcast for more um, podcasts and sermons. And we look forward to seeing you, talking to you next time. Woo! And you, person that's listening, your baby does not look bad. <laughs> Yeah, not you. Your baby doesn't you. look like yeah. a Your baby is one of the best you, babies. The one I've with a tender heart. We, we saw it on Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. It does not Adorable. look like an alien.
It looks like a Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> a new one, not like from the 80s. What's wrong with the 80s? Well, they're kind of old now. They've been sitting around a bit. But what if they were in the box the whole time? <laughs> a mint condition mint Cabbage Patch doll from the 80s. looks like a mint condition <laughs> 1980s Cabbage Patch doll. <laughs> <laughs>